you take your Bibles and let's turn to Judges chapter number 3. Judges chapter number 3. Judges 3, look at verse number 1. Judges 3, verse number 1. Now these are the nations, notice this, which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Even as many of, of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generation of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. Namely, five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Zidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in, the, in, the, in Mount Lebanon from uh, Mount uh, ba- Baal-Hermon until the entering of Hamath. Uh, and they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the uh, commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the children of Israel dwelt, notice this, dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the guy's name here, okay, but he's king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served him eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the, uh, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered that king of Mesopotamia into his hands, and his, his hand prevailed against him. And the, uh, the, the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Okay, so we see here the, the, the cycle begins. Remember we talked about the cycle uh, that we're going to see over and over again in the book of Judges. The cycle of sin, bringing on suffering and servitude, bringing on supplication to the Lord, praying out to the Lord, and then the, uh, salvation by way of judge, and then a period of silence. And here in this case, there's 40 years of silence, and it all starts over again. How sad, right? 325 years, this is going to be the cycle that we are going to see. But we see the Lord testing His people here. It's a fact that at various times, the Lord tests His people. James 1, verse 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Um, now, though the Lord tests his people, understand that he never tempts them to sin. James 1, verse 12 and 13 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, understand that any time God puts people through a time 
uh, of test, it is so the people can know how they uh, will react. <laughs> if our reaction to the test brings forth greater trust and obedience of the Lord, that's what the Lord's looking for. I mean, that's, that's good for us, isn't it? We grow in our faith in God. And by the way, God already knows how we're going to react. It's just for us to know how we're, we're going to... When the testing comes, it's a, it's, a, it's a time to say, well, am I going to trust the Lord through this or am I going to try to get through it my own way? Um, times of testing are always for our learning. Times of testing are used to strengthen our faith. And times of testing are also used to give us assurance. Understand testing may come to an individual or it may come to a whole body of people as we see here in our text tonight. We will see in our scripture that after the people saw their sin, their mistakes, their sin, and repented, God gave them 40 years of peace. And then we're going to see next time it starts all over again. As we look at this passage tonight, let's examine it and see what the Lord would have us to learn from it. Amen. First of all, we notice the position of God's people. The position of God's people. Verse number 5 tells us that. There in chapter 3, verse 5, And the children of Israel dwelt among the, the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They, they, they dwelt among the heathen. Dwelt among the heathen. This was not the Lord's perfect will for Israel. That's not what the Lord wanted for them. Uh, in fact, the, the Lord's desire and command was that Israel utterly drive out the heathen, right? We, we, we saw that in the book of Joshua. And we saw it earlier in the book of, uh, in the earlier chapters here in the book of, of Judges as well. They were supposed to drive the heathen out of the land, but Israel disobeyed the Lord by failing to do that. <laughs> And because they failed to do that, the Lord said, okay, well, I'm going to leave them there to test you. I'm going to leave them there to, to try you. And uh, you'll, you'll wind up crying out to me. And they did. Uh, so Israel was living in willful disobedience here. And even though this was not the Lord's perfect will for Israel, the Lord allowed it. He allowed it in His permissive will for His own purposes. In fact, the Lord allowed the Canaanite nations to remain in the land and we, I want us to see three reasons why the Lord allowed them uh, to remain in the land. Number one, and these are all biblical reasons. Number one, we see in chapter number two that the Lord used them to chastise Israel for her apostasy in turning to idolatry. God used these nations, these heathen nations, to chastise Israel for her apostasy in turning to idolatry. Look at Judges 2, look at verse number 2. And uh, he, the Lord had clearly told them, Ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall th throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? And then skip down to verse number 20. It says, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. Uh, now the Israelites, in joining themselves with the heathen people of the land through intermarriage and the subsequent idolatry that came out of that, uh, 
violated the very covenant that the Lord had given to their forefathers. Now, I'm not going to turn back, but when we were in the book of Joshua, in Joshua 23, if you don't go back and look at it again, Joshua 23, verses 11 through 13, we, we see that very thing. The Lord would warn them. Joshua had warned them that uh, uh, if they left the covenant and decided to do their own thing, what was going to happen? So, just as the Lord had promised, he no longer drove out any of the nations uh, that were left when Joshua died. The consequences of sin, listen, the consequences of sin can, can be one of the greatest chastening tools of the Lord. The consequences of sin. We're seeing it in our own nation right now. The consequences of sin, it, the Lord is using in our nation to chastise our nation. And we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, uh, he gave us his word so that we would know that, that as a possibility. And you sin, and you, as a nation, you sin, and then you expect, uh, well, we're going to get by with it because we're America. We're the United States, you know. We're, we're the land of the free and home of the brave. We're, the, we're strong. You're weak without God. We used to be strong. Uh, when we kept close to the Lord. But we see that, that uh, the consequences, some, sometimes all the Lord has got to do is just leave us to the consequences of sin. And, it, and those consequences are, are chastening uh, enough sometimes. Um, so the Lord used them to chastise Israel for her apostasy and turning to idolatry. Second thing I want to see is the Lord used the heathen nations among them to test their faithfulness to him to test their faithfulness to him. Look at verse 22 of chapter 2. Uh, Judges 2, verse 22, that, that through them, talking about the, the nations that were left, that through them I may prove, you ought to circle that word prove there, that I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So the Lord left them here. And we see in the chapter number 3, verse number 4, it says, and they were, they were to prove. There's that word again. In fact, verse number 1 had the word prove. The Lord left. To, now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove. You ought to circle it there. And then down in verse number 4, they were to prove Israel by by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Now, the word prove there means to put someone to the test or to try them. As to, and if, in fact, and through doing that, you give experience, you train someone uh, through those things. And, and it means to conduct a test, to establish, to demonstrate, to, to, to find something out by experience. And God is often said to prove His people. He tests them or tries them for their good. And let's give us a couple of examples. Uh, just hold your place there. Turn over to Genesis chapter number 22. Very familiar uh, passage regarding Abraham. And uh, the Lord, of course, the word here, rather than prove, it's the same, it's the same Hebrew word. It's, it's just uh, uh, translated here as tempt, okay? 
And we'll, we'll take a look at it. Genesis 22, verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or prove Abraham. Okay? And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now, the question is, are you going to believe God? Okay. This was the question. Was Abraham going to believe God? He was, he was testing Abraham's faith. Abraham believed God, didn't he? God had told him that through Isaac, your seed is going to be called. Well, Isaac didn't have any kids. <laughs> in fact, he wasn't even married at this point. So, he had to believe that if he followed through, took his son's life, that God was able to raise him from the dead. He had to believe that God was going to do that because God's going to be faithful. And so he went up there with all intentions of taking his son's life, drew the knife, and the angel stopped him. Amen. <laughs> stopped him. He didn't have to take his son's life, but it was a proof. It was uh, testing Abraham. Uh, we see, look at Exodus chapter number 15. Exodus chapter number 15. We see back in Moses' day, Exodus 15, and this is just one of many places in, in the wilderness that God was proving His people. Exodus 15, look at verse number 24. And this was at the bitter waters of Merah. Okay. They got to the waters there and they couldn't drink because they were bitter. Well, they began murmuring. Look at verse 24. And, they, and the people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the water, the water was, were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and, and an ordinance. And notice this. And there he proved them. He was proving whether they were they going to trust the Lord or not. Of course, we know that they continually flunked the test on trusting the Lord, didn't they? Yeah, the Lord provided sweet waters here. Well, you know, they didn't, didn't have water again. Moses wound up having to strike a rock, provide water. Uh, again, they didn't have water. Uh, they, uh, Moses was told to speak to the rock. Well, he, he, he struck the rock again. Shouldn't have done that. He wound up not going into to the promised land because of that. But, but the Lord provided each time. But they couldn't trust the Lord. You know? They had trouble trusting the Lord. But the Lord was trying them. And trying to, to, through experience, say, look, you know, I provided for you that last time. Don't you think I can provide for you this time? Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Two places here. Verses 1 and 2, first of all. Deuteronomy 8, verse number 1. And it says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, and here it is, and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Now skip down to verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. And he tells them there, um, well, let's, let's back up to verse 10. 
When thou hast eaten and art full, then shalt thou bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God at which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, who, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might, here it is, prove thee, to do thee good in thy latter end. The Lord's trying to develop them. He's, tr- he's trying to develop them through these trials that they're going through. He's trying to prove them. Uh, and you look at verse 17, and, and, thou shalt, and thou say in thine heart, My power and mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So we, we see uh, proving his people. Uh, look at uh, one more place here. Uh, Psalm 26, we see David, Psalm 26, and verse 1 and 2 here. And we see David invite the Lord to try him. <laughs> uh, verse number 1, Psalm 26, verse 1, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide Examine me, O Lord, and here it is, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart. Now, you say, that don't sound real bright. (laughs) You know, asking the Lord to try you, asking the Lord to prove you. You know, who's wanting trials tonight? Anybody anybody wanting trials? we We don't want them, do we? But understand that this proving of the Lord's people provided each generation with an opportunity to to either keep the way of the Lord. Okay, they had that opportunity, didn't they? Every, all, all of these are we going to see where they failed the test. All of them had the opportunity that we're going to serve the Lord <laughs> and we're going to follow the Lord and we're not going to go the ways uh, uh, of our forefathers. They, uh, they had the opportunity to follow the way of the Lord or they had, they had the opportunity to continue in the rebellion of their immediate ancestors. Here's a third thing um, why the... Uh, the Lord left the Canaanites in the land. The Lord left the Canaanites in the land to give Israel experience in warfare. Back in our, back in our text, you'll, you'll probably notice that whenever I read verse number 2, it says, Only that the generations of the children of Israel might know uh, to teach them a war at the least as such as before knew nothing thereof. In other words, some of these, have, they didn't know what it was like for the conquest of the land. They weren't alive when, during the conquest that when, they, when that was going on. And uh, the Lord wanted to give them experience in this kind of, if you want to call it, holy warfare, because that's what it was. That was conducted uh, during Joshua's conquest. They, they were to rid 
rid the land of the, the wickedness the, the, uh, of the heathen. This warfare was not just how to fight, but how to fight successfully depending on the Lord to give the victory through obedience. So we notice the position of God's people. Next, we notice the perversion of God's people. And there in Judges 3, look at verse number 6 and 7. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and they gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. How, how bad did it get? Pretty bad. This came through Israel mingling with the heathen which they definitely were not supposed to do. Understand that it may have started very slowly with great intentions planned. Yeah, Great intentions don't give you an excuse for violating what God told you. <laughs> it was easy to get sucked in to great evil this way. We may have no intentions of getting dragged into great sin or drifting in our walk with the Lord, but listen, when we begin to have close affiliations or unholy alliances with the heathen, and before we know it, you know what we do? We, the, we, they are influencing us in the wrong things rather than in, us influencing them in the right things. I'm sure they had this idea, well, you know, we, we're just going to try to change them. Well, they didn't change them. The heathen is the ones that changed God's people. They intermarried with them, according to verse number 6, and the result was an impure people. They became like them, according to verse number 7. They turned from wholly following the Lord by taking on the gods of the heathen. And it wasn't very long before the Israelites had turned from God and accepted another God uh, that catered more to their flesh. <laughs> That's what Balaam did. You know, that was a good God to to follow because man he, he was okay with uh, with uh, immorality and immorality appeals to the flesh and and so no no wonder that they turned so quickly out of the way so we notice the position of God's people the perversion of God's people then we notice the posture of the Lord in verse number eight therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of the king of Mesopotamia and the children of Israel served in eight years there. Um, we, first we see the Lord's anger. What, what things make God angry? Pride is one thing. When you, we think you know better than God, that's pride. And they thought they knew better than God. You, we don't know better than God. And if we think that we know better than God, that's a prideful act. And we're, 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 in, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> and then uh, sin and disobedience also make God angry. Unholy alliances make God angry. A strong-willed and self-willed people make God angry. And they were all of these things. Amen. And so God was angry. And next we see the Lord chastening. He let them live in the mess they had created. Just think about that. How you, you, you messed it up? Live in it for a while. Okay? <laughs> he permitted a foreign king to capture them and they served, they were in bondage again for eight years. Think about it. The Lord had delivered them from the Egyptian bondage. 
But now they have allowed themselves to get in bondage to a heathen king. We notice the prayer of the people there in verse number 9. <clears throat> verse number 9, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The key word here is when. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Their situation finally got so dire that the, the people prayed. Uh, well, just think, this whole situation could have been avoided if they had only been obedient to the Lord. This could have been totally avoided. Think of all the problems in Israel's history that could have been avoided by simply obeying God's word. If they just obeyed. Think of all the chastening that could have been shortened and lessened by earnest prayer that included confession and repentance. But what they would do is they would wait. They would delay getting back to the Lord. And the longer they would delay, the worse things would get for them. And then finally, they would get in such desperate uh, situation that they would cry out to the Lord and the Lord listened to them. That's what we see here. Listen, if things are, are going hard for us, I'm talking about today. If everything seems to be caving in on us, and it's probably time for some self-examination to see if the reason for it is some disobedience in our life. I'm just saying. That's the first place to look. Look at our life. Proverbs 28 verse 13 is very clear. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. took a while for them to do that. Eight long years for them to do that. And they finally cried out to the Lord. But we noticed the provision. And this is the last thing. We noticed the provision by the Lord. The Lord provided an Othniel there. We read about that in verse number 9. And look at, let's pick up verse number 10. And the, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. Well, how did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? Because he's part of the faithful remnant. God's always had a a faithful remnant that didn't get caught up in the, the other junk that uh, pulled the whole nation down. Well, Othniel was a part of that. And it makes sense. He related Caleb. <laughs> yeah. He's Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came on him, empowered him. And he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered that king uh, of Mesopotamia unto his hand. And he, uh, he prevailed against him. And the land had rest 40 years. Um, so let's, let's take a look at this. The king of Mesopotamia, we know, was the oppressor. God used a heathen ruler to chasten his people. The king captured them and enslaved them for eight years. Sometimes God uses the heathen to chasten his people, doesn't he? He does. Othniel was the Lord's deliverer, though. Deliver, think Savior. You know, he's a picture of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ here. Othniel means powerful one. It means also Lion of God. Uh, he had a good name. And the, the Lord prepared His deliverer who judged Israel. That word judged is the word shafat. And it, it means to judge, deliver, rule, uh, and, and uh the accomplishing of a sentence. He, he was ruling them. He led them in battle. 
He led Israel to war against their, their oppressor, and the Lord delivered the king into Othniel's hand. The land had rest and peace for the next 40 years. Listen, Satan is our oppressor, isn't he? Amen. He is. 1 Peter 5 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walked about seeking whom he may devour. And Jesus is our deliverer. He's our rest and peace. Our rest and peace come from Him. Matthew 11, verse 28, He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your souls. Listen, it's not easy to serve the Lord. never has been. Never, never been easy to serve the Lord. Uh, but it's much harder on us when we don't. It's much harder when we don't. We, you know, go God's way. Yes, you're going to face some difficulty at times, but you're not going to face near the difficulty if you if you don't uh, go the Lord's way. If you try to go it your own way and say, "Well, I think I know better than God does," uh, don't. Just don't do it. <laughs> Amen. All right, that's our Bible study for this evening. Uh, forty years of rest. We'll pick up forty years later when we get back and take a look at what happens next. Lord willing, let's pull out our prayer list and pray for the needs and we'll be dismissed with this prayer.